0: Just before David comes and brings the word to us, I'm just going to read the passage, uh, which comes from Exodus chapter 3, and we'll be reading the first 13 verses. The passage reads, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians... You will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? May the God bless the reading of his words to us.
1: I have seen the affliction of my people. God says to Moses and sends them to go and to take them out of their slavery, of the darkness which they wear. You know, I've never I've never seen our message ministry when we've had opportunity to speak as to bring some theological teaching. To build you up and to encourage you in the word of the lord i've always seen our ministry and our responsibility is to encourage you and to challenge you into the work that you're doing your pastor your teachers and leaders within the church have that responsibility of the upbuilding of the church for me it's to challenge you it's to together to look at god's word and see um, where we can help the church help individuals to go on in their calling And this, that God came to save his people. Isn't that right? Jesus said, I came to save the lost. And he gave that same ministry to every disciple to go out and seek the lost. Bring them out of the slavery of sin that they're in. And, you know, as I said this morning, I see Scotland is so rich with theologians and doctrines and teachings and... You know, and in Ephesians it talks about putting on the armour of God and being equipped with the sword, the shield and the, the, the shoes, the helmet of salvation. All these wonderful things to arm us up. For what reason is to get out and fight the enemy? And as I said this morning, I think the vision that I have is people and a lot of our churches, you know, haven't captured the vision as they it's always give us more teaching give us more word we need to fed the word and you just see people within the pews getting fatter and fatter and fatter to the point is that they can't get out of the pews they're stuck in the pews and they're stuck with this sword and this shield and all this armor to to face an enemy who is winning battles outside and the church, the people who are equipped to go out and conquer this enemy and preach the gospel and save the lost, are stuck in church. And what are they doing with the weapons that they've got? They're fighting one another. And it's obvious, isn't it? If you're armed up with all these spiritual weapons and and you're stuck in the pews and you're, you're going to use them in the other people, what are you doing with that sword? Oops. God has intended us to, what we receive is to take it out there individually. And this is what the sermon's about again tonight. It's about that challenge that we have to go out and to reach the lost. Fulfill our mission. And it's titled, as you know, and I've seen it in your pub- publicity. About, it's about tonight, I'm asking you a question. What is your excuse for not doing what god has called you to do now about six months before leaving the church at reggio calabria the church began to get a bit worried about us going away and how they, how are we going to do a year as they were promised by the president without a pastor having seen the church and and, and knowing our situation the president who came uh, weeks before said that he had no doubt in the abilities and the the gifting of the church, and with the help of the association from Sicily, the different departments of the, the Baptist Union, the church had the ability, the church had the personnel to function as normal when we left. And I completely agreed with him. And both of us had no worries about, at all about what would happen when we left. My one concern was Yes, they had the people there, but my one concern was, our one concern was, that the church would not come complacent, and think that everything, you know, will actually work itself out, every new pastor will come, because without doubt there was going to be a vacuum, a massive vacuum, when we left, Um, and that this vacuum would need to be filled. These ministries that we were involved in, both of us, would need new personnel, would need people to rise to the occasion, people who are working alongside us even, to step up to the mantle. They would have to step up to the challenge. You know, when God spoke to Moses about leading the people out Of Egypt he was also already preparing someone to take his place. He had already prepared Joshua to take his place and I was sharing with the church there were already people in the church who were quite capable of taking up the mantle and continuing to fill the vacuum That we would leave but unfortunately as I said this morning with Moses, Joshua needed convincing. Joshua was making excuses and God had to convince him to take up the mantle of Moses. God convinces him as he also had to do as we just read with Moses and as I mentioned this morning And God reminds them that he, both Joshua and to Moses, that he would be the guide. He would be the strength for the task that was set before him. But unfortunately, God had to eliminate all the excuses. And as I said this morning, from the beginning of time, the Bible, we keep seeing these same Excuses. So let me say this, while some excuses are perfectly legitimate, it should be recognised that the development of the habit of making excuses can be very dangerous. Because sometimes excuses contain an element of dishonesty. And if we develop continually the habit of always making excuses we're not adequate enough or whatever the excuses that we can make, we can rob ourselves of the habit of correcting our mistakes. And making, making excuses is a kind of a form of esca- escapism, isn't it? When we refuse to accept a responsibility that's placed before us but either our actions or our decisions so here's a question for you here's a challenge for you this evening when you're brought think about it face to face with an opportunity to render some service to god or to be helpful to others do you instinctively seek to make an excuse to avoid or to postpone or to escape. I remember when I was training for the ministry and I was at Cathcart Baptist Church and uh, I remember um, I was in charge of the, the young people. And uh, I remember the excuses that I kept hearing from the young people. You know, I'm going to get there. I've got these exams to do and, and, and I'll be there. I'll be, definitely be there. And then once the exams are finished, and you go, I'll keep getting the same excuses. And I found out that the person that started to do, make the same excuses was me. When I get caught up in these exams and different things, I started making excuses. As to why I couldn't get to the prayer meeting. Why I've got a essay to write. A day at the zoo with my mother and father. I've got all these different things to do. I've no time. i postponing. Postponing decisions. Things that and in service to God. Things that we know that we have to do. Things that God has called us to do. And so if you find that you have developed this habit of making an excuse... Might be valid to some extent, but making an excuse instead of accepting the opportunity, let me say to you, you can be both comforted but disturbed. I'm also disturbed. Comforted by the fact that you're not alone. You're not alone. There's many of us do the same thing. Disturbed because this habit, as I said earlier on, can prove to be extremely dangerous to yourself and detrimental to others. Moses repeatedly offered excuses as to why he was not the proper person to do what God was calling him to do. And often we can imitate the same pattern, we can imitate that same lame excuses. His example. So tonight I would like us to re-examine our excuses. Think about the excuses you make for not doing something you know or something you've been called to do or something you would like to do but you keep making excuses as why you can't do it. (coughs) And ask yourself this question as the excuses that I am making acceptable to God? Is God acceptable? Because it's to him you're making the excuses. Are they acceptable? Does God accept these excuses that we make? Or to put it the other way, are these excuses acceptable to you personally? Have you got yourself into a position that you're convinced yourself that the valid excuses are they acceptable to you personally? Would they be acceptable to, to, to your colleagues to, to the, in the eyes of your friends, round and round? Think about it. And think about this. Why God needed David McFarlane, I'll never understand. Never. Why God needed Anne McFarlane to be involved in the work that she was doing. We will never understand. Does Almighty God need David McFarlane, who was refused a leaving certificate from school because he was never there? Why did he need me? Why did he need Anne? Why did he need you? Why did he need Jonathan? Why didn't he need David, your pastor? God needed Moses. And all the inadequacy that he had, God needed Moses to set his people free. Now that is miraculous. He needed Moses to set his people free. He appeared in a bush burning with fire when Moses approached God and spoke to him. But not only would God declare his intention of delivering the oppressed Israelites who were being treated cruelly as slaves... But also God revealed the role that Moses was to play in this deliverance. What does he say in Exodus 3 and 10? Come now therefore and I will send you, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. The words of God to Moses revealed the intention which the Lord Jesus had for his disciples. Isn't it the same thing as he commissioned them to serve him as his witnesses in a sinful world? Jesus needed the cooperation of his disciples. I mean, no, not, they weren't all brilliant scholars. Some of them were. He needed them all. He needed them all. He needed them to deliver man out of the slavery of sin and into the freedom of a wonderful faith. So God explains this to Moses and what does he do? He begins to make excuses. And for all practical reasons, Moses replied to God as many modern people respond to the spiritual opportunities and not just opportunities, but responsibilities. And today's language, what did they say? You can just count me out, uh, Lord. I've got sheep to care for here. I've got a big job. I have my family, my own family to consider. And so what you're proposing here, Lord, would be exceedingly difficult. And at the same time, a more very inconvenient. I'm not at all disposed to do it at this time, maybe later on. Moses knew, without doubt, his own limitations. He carefully evaluated his own abilities as he's, as he's, as he's arguing with God here. And he provides God with this list of disqualifications, doesn't he? He starts listing them out here that, yeah, who am I? He says, who am I? He's he's, he's suggesting to God his lack of fitness for the task, for the call that God is calling him to do. Moses says to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? There's got to be someone else. There's got to be. Who am I that I should go and bring out the children of Israel out of Egypt? What he was basically saying was anybody else but me doesn't matter, not me, anybody else I'm not cut out for that kind of a job it's just not for me so first of all he suggests his lack of fitness and then he pleads his lack of knowledge (laughs) the lack of knowledge his theology is personal knowledge of God and he says to God, he says Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they shall say to me, What's his name? What am I going to say to them? Alec? Jimmy? I don't know your name. I don't even know your name. Moses is saying, You know. I've not been to Bible college. I've not had any training. In the, I've not read any books on evangelism. Exploding. How am I going to go and set all these people free? He had no experience. He was not a Sunday school teacher. He was not even a deacon. He was pleading an experience and immaturity. And next he declares his lack of authority, doesn't he? His lack of authority and prestige. He says, they will not believe me, well, nor will they listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you personally. You know, when we read this, it's, it's just like Moses was forgetting something, wasn't it? Moses is forgetting that as he offered these excuses, he was assuming that his success and this mission that God was sending him, was going to be determined by his own human ability rather than the power and the presence of god and many folk today make the same fatal it's fatal mistake and offer the same silly excuses that moses offered this morning i think you were all here this morning you heard my testimony on that case at Baptist College. The same excuse, I'm never going to do this. God's picked the wrong person. But Moses, he, he also he also pleads his lack of ability to speak, his speaking ability. Oh, oh Lord, I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech and of a slow tongue and we believe that that meant that that Moses had a, a stutter. Not able to speak. How many people today who offer their excuses they're not public speakers? And I don't agree. Not everyone is a public speaker. And, I, and, I, and I'm not one that would call people out willy-nilly to give your testimony. You should be able to give your testimony to everybody. I don't but I believe that everyone should be able to give their testimony, maybe in a one to one basis. There are some people who are able to to, to, to cope with that and be able to give a testimony in public. But we're all called to be speakers. Maybe not public speakers, but personal speakers sharing the gospel, sharing your faith. Many years ago, in an open area drum chapel, now, I was saved when I was 23 years of age. And I went. Have you been to Port Seton? Summer Mission, Port Seton. Anybody here been to Port Seton? Apart from my wife. There somebody there. Why are you hiding behind there? I'm not going to ask you to give a testimony. <laughs> Did you go to the mission there held by the Church of Scotland? Well, when I was saved... i have going back donkeys you know, of years. Of course, we were a young woman. There was this mission that the Church of Scotland had. Six weeks of summer mission at Port Seton. Holiday resort. The rain was warm every summer. It was lovely. (laughs) It was really good. And the Church of Scotland ran this mission. And I I was invited to go by a friend in the church. In the Drum Chapel, United Free Church, where I I was saved. And I started to to go along there. And this guy, Jim Bryden, says to me, you know, you want to come in summer mission? (laughs) No. I'm three weeks saved. No, th- don't know any of it. Summer mission, what's that? He says, it's, you go and, and there's a big team, uh, girls and boys. I says, girls? He <laughs> says, a lot of girls. <laughs> put my name down. <laughs> but you know, and that summer mission was tremendous. And that summer mission, you know, I grew I, in about a year, I was three weeks saved. And in that summer mission, two weeks, tense prayer, fellowship <clears throat> with other people. Uh, it was wonderful. And I really grew as a, as a young Christian in that, in that summer mission. But you know, in that first mission, this me, three weeks saved. And there was me standing um, in the open air in Drumchapel Centre, town centre. And I was speaking, in, and after the open air, this young girl comes across to me and says, are you David McFarland? I'm oh, oh, yes. Um, why? She said, you don't remember me, do you? I said, no. She says, I was saved. And I was part of your group. You led me to Jesus all those years ago. And you know, it really brought tears to my eyes to see this. Now there was me, three weeks saved, sharing Jesus, my testimony, sharing with them and taking her through the, the, the follow-up over that two-week period, simple wee steps how to follow Jesus and this young lass came on to be a follower of Jesus and our church was nearby. You know what am I saying? evangelising I was speaking about Jesus to someone three weeks after being saved now theology I I wasn't able to say I was even going there with the wrong motivation at the beginning but God was able to use my availability and able to give me the words to speak and able to to lead and I was able to teach in a sense I was able to teach someone the way to know Jesus And the, the, the excuses that God, that Moses was making to God of his inadequacy to do what God was calling him to do. In each instance and everything, God promised to make him adequate for the task to that call of delivering the children of Israel. And in a sense, these excuses, Moses' excuses, were actually declarations. Of his lack of faith, wasn't it? Lack of faith in the promises of God. God was promising that he was going to be with him. So here are a few truths we need to know about serving God. And the first truth is this. That no one needs to be perfect to serve God effectively. We know that by Moses' story, don't we? Moses wasn't perfect. He had imperfections. He was far from perfect. Yet God used him in a mighty way. God can use each of us, and will use each of us, particularly if we voluntarily commit ourselves to cooperate with him. The second thrilling truth is that God uses, uses those who are available. Well, one's ability is tremendous important. You know, I'm glad at Baptist College and at Spurgeon College didn't come all day in McFarland. So it would be a terrible world. There were many professors came out of that college, theologians, pastors. God uses our availability. So while ability is of tremendous importance, one's availability to be available is the matter of extreme importance to God. And one of the most powerful parables that Jesus shared was concerning those who made excuses, wasn't it? He tells the story of a man who prepared a great supper and invited the guests in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 16-24. One offered the excuse that his properties, his possessions, would not let him come to the banquet. Another offered the excuse that his occupation stood in the way. A third declared that family obligations or relationships was the hindering cause. Family, I can call you family. If a man develops or a woman develops a habit of making excuses they will always find an excuse for saying no to god what are you going to do what are you going to say if the opportunity to serve him comes within your own church what are you going to say if the opportunity comes to you like the letter came to us Uh, from the Baptist Union what are you going to do if you're you're asked to do something called or you desire to do something for God are you going to make excuses or are you going to cooperate with God as in the end Moses did as Joshua did convinced on the promises that God had made them and that God would bring them through. You know, I go back a long time. And when I was just in those early days, uh, I seen, it was in those days, it was slides, the wee slides that you put in the wee projector. I see some smiling faces here, probably. I don't think you're the same age as me, but maybe some of your fathers or your grandfathers bring them out every so often to the young people. You want to see these slides? And I've got this big mountain of slides. Well, the Scripture Union had this, uh, had these um, parables, these stories, little cartoon stories, and this one was entitled "In the Bin." Anybody seen it? I'm looking for these oldies. It's around bit It's me. But you seen "In the Bin"? About the bin man. It comes every day, puts the bin out, and goes away again. Every day, comes by this bin and this, waiting for these people to put stuff in the bin. And at the end, it's Jesus that's coming with the bin. Well, I've got that bin here tonight. It's there it's here. It's an imaginary bin. But in that bin, I want you to think about, put your excuses in it. Put your excuses in the bin. The bin man's came. Jesus is calling on your life. There's got things for you to do. Stop making excuses. Instead of making excuses, throw them away. Get them in that black plastic bag. They won't be recycled. (laughs) Get them in the bag. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, as you've spoken to each of us tonight, as you've challenged us, Lord, And the feeble excuses that we make to ourselves, to you, to our friends. And we know, Lord, they're not acceptable. Help us, Lord, to trust in you as Moses, as Joshua did. To trust in the promises and on your ability, on your power. Help us, Lord, to put them in the bin. And to follow you. No matter whatever you call us into Lord. We're willing to go. Amen.